This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stachowiak, and we profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. If you found this show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. And if you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk and me, Adam Stack. Today's guest is the Renaissance man himself, Drew Wilson. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. I know it's been a long wait, but uh, we're finally at, at uh, season three of Founders Talk. And none other than the Renaissance man himself, Drew Wilson, has joined me for the very first episode. So, uh, Drew, say hello, please. Hey, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. So, Drew, I call you a Renaissance man simply because you seem to be like this, this one-man army. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure who's listening to this, and I'm not sure how much they know about you, but you're Primarily known as a phenomenal designer, at least I'll say that. I, I know you probably get accolades all the time, and you've given normal uh, many talks about uh, your skill set and all the products you've done and stuff like that. But um, you know, probably the question on somebody's mind out there who might not know you would be, you know, obviously, who are you? So, who are you? I am a man uh, <laughs> from Carlsbad. <laughs> yes, a man from Carlsbad, California. Um, no, I'm a I'm a regular dude, I guess. Uh, I have a family, but I started off doing design stuff and art, traditional art, and then I worked into like doing stuff on the computer uh, when I was younger, and then I got into development because it was a means to an end, because I have all these designs, but I want to make them work, but I don't know anybody who knows how to build stuff, and I'm a kid, and I don't have money, so I started learning how to develop different things using different back-end technologies, and... Yeah, kind of went on from there, and now I do both design and development stuff. So it sounds like your background, at least from a development standpoint, is, is self-taught? Yes, what a- self-taught and art is self-taught. I did take I, – I went to a community college um, up in Washington State where I'm originally from, uh, and I did take a design course there. But it was like traditional design. There was no computers. It was like cutting out stuff and pasting stuff and finding different textures in the environment like literally going outside and other places getting different textures to build design stuff. But, um, like grabbing yeah. leaves and doing collages and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm old enough to have actually taken a true art class. Now, back in high school, I haven't actually gone to school for true art, but, yeah. but I've done similar things, at least uh, maybe not quite the, the same things. But yeah, I, it was I feel a four, Yeah, it was a 4 hour class once a week, and the instructor would just ramble on about his Porsches while we just sat there doing stuff. <laughs> So, so what, what got you into this? I mean, you know, what happened early in your life that made you want to be a self-taught renaissance man? Um, I was in a lab and this radioactive spider bit me. <laughs> uh, no. Um, my, uh, I don't know, my, my dad was an entrepreneur. He buys and sells old, like really old uh, comics and collectibles. He's done that all my life. So I grew up on comics and stuff. Um, and so he was an entrepreneur. He did all. His, he did, he's always had his own company, and so to me that was just kind of the normal thing. Um, my, all my brothers are like that as well, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really. I never once thought I would get into like building apps or anything when I first started. I moved down to California almost ten years ago from Washington State with the purpose of being in the the sun and the surf, and also I knew there'd be more opportunity down here for what I wanted to do, which was to get into design and hopefully start my own business. I was When I moved down, I was deciding whether I should go to this uh, art school in L.A. called Otis or if I should um, start my own company. 
uh, obviously it'd be vastly cheaper to start my own company. So I got a job as a, um, a designer, the lead designer at this um, print shop. So I worked in print for a year and a half. And then I left and decided to do client work full time because I had a couple of things on the side. I had one client when I left and uh, uh, I finished this project in a couple of months and then I had no clients and I didn't know anybody. And I lived off of loaves of bread a week at a time. <laughs> Ramen noodles, loaves of bread. and Yeah, dude, it was crazy. Um, so what, yeah, what year was that? What wrong time was that you went on your own? That was I started full time freelance in two thousand, the very beginning of two thousand three, end of two thousand two. Wow. No, no, sorry, sorry. In two thousand three, the middle of two thousand three. So uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a while. But man, when I started, I didn't know anything. I thought like the end game was be like, and, and other people like doing this, but I don't like this. But the end game would be like have a, a huge client list and make much money doing client work. But later on in my, in my life, I found out that it's not me. I just do not enjoy working on other people's stuff as much as my own. Um, unless it's like somebody comes to me with a good idea and they want me to be a part of it. I like the idea or whatever, but just doing straight client work just isn't me. I found that out. And so I, when I found that out, it was like 2005, 2006. And I was like, yeah, I got to start doing something. So I started building a CMS uh, and eventually turned into this thing called FireRift, but it had many iterations before that that I would use for my clients. But yeah. So I guess the question on my mind really is that you left this agency. Were you getting paid decent money at the, this agency? And were you making I a good, was, good living? I mean, yeah, I was nineteen and twenty. I'd say I was twenty. I was making like it wasn't an agency. It was, it was like a local print shop. Oh, I was making sorry twenty four thousand a year or something. So for a single dude, it was cool. But it wasn't a huge dump to take the entrepreneur loop, right? Like, I guess the question I'm really, really trying to ask is, like, you know, what gave you the courage to say, okay, I don't know anybody. I got one client. I'm pretty <laughs> confident what I can do, but I'm going to work on, yeah. I'm going to, you know, go solo. Yeah. No, what's wild is like working in a print shop, doing business cards and letterheads and envelopes and all that jazz. Like, it totally drains your, your creativity. And I remember being like, this is just going to turn me into some like, corporate dude and I'm like not going to have any creativity anymore and I remember when I left I, I would try to do designs for myself like personal stuff and I was like everything looks like crap what happened to me so I realized I got to take some time to get back into like being creative but um, it, it was a hard jump like the, the, the owners as a husband and wife they did not want me to leave they kept offering me different things and I was like no 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 I just got to go and it was like super awkward but um, got through that but I don't know I I just, I've always wanted to have my own business. When I was 16, I started my first company. It was just side, I just did side jobs, um, design stuff, and I called it Two Flame. And I knew since then that's what I wanted to do is have my own company. So, so the entrepreneur bug kind of bit you and you couldn't let it go. You worked for somebody else for a little bit and you, you finally yeah. just decided, nah, I'm going to go on my own. So tell us about this, this going on your own road. Like, what were some of the early scars that you achieved or you got a hold of that kind of took you down or what are, what are some of the awesome achievements you did early on? It was just like, I can really do this and kick butt at it. Yeah. So I did, like I said before, I didn't really know like, uh, what would the end goal was. And so all I knew was like doing websites for people and that meant like small to medium sized businesses. And so I got involved with this thing called BNI business network international. I know BNI. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a bunch of um, small business owners get together 
like, you know, bankers, uh, heating and plumbing people, uh, real estate agents, that kind of thing, get together and they exchange referrals. So I never, I was there for over a year. I never got one referral. The only referrals I got were people in the group wanted me to do web work. And I remember I said, okay, I'm going to build a website for our chapter, built a website for the chapter. And I said, hey, um, you can have your listing on here with a, like a picture of you, a full on profile, like your own page for 50 bucks, you know, to cover the cost of me making it. And it's, it's optional. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. And, uh, and I remember, because I was the secretary treasurer, and I remember getting a letter to the president of the chapter saying, Drew's a crook. If he had all that 50 bucks, he made about $1,000 on a website. And I can't believe anybody would make $1,000 on a website. And at that point, I was just like, yeah, I'm out of here. Like, this is totally, totally the wrong crowd if I want to like, you know, further this thing and take it bigger. So I left BNI. Um, so that was like a huge learning thing. Also, I, I advertised in the Yellow Pages when I first started. It cost me like 2400 bucks. I got the biggest ad in the design section, full color, everything. So that way I knew for, you know, I would know how this thing works. I never got one call till like the month before it was going to expire. I got a call and the guy said, Hey, are you hiring? I was like, <laughs> awesome. <Great. laughs> so, so the, yeah, I That's stopped better than recruiter, pages. isn't it? I mean, recruiter's almost that much. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the yellow pages didn't work out so much, but, um, and it's a good looking ad, but, uh, yeah. Um, Trying to remember what your original question was. The, the pitfalls you've you've felt, maybe even some of the milestones or big wins that kind of p- propelled you into the into the space right now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So really, I think I think it can attribute um, making the shift from thinking of design as, as doing websites for people to um, to what I do now, like making apps and like being a part of a community and all that kind of stuff. I contribute that to the CMS that I first made. Um, I was building something as a PHP CMS. I wanted something simple the way that I work. So I built out a couple versions that I would use on my clients' websites um, with the idea that, yeah, if I build something and spend the time, it could make me money because then I won't have to, like, custom build websites for people. Um, and I can use this thing that I built, which I think is a great idea. You know, it's a good way to justify, should I do this project on the side or not? Well, hey, will it make you money in the future? If yes, you know, it, not, not, not necessarily selling it, but can I use it to make me money? If yes, then I would say do it. I always suggest people do side work all, you know, as much as you can. Um, but anyhow, that thing kind of got me more into the web community, like uh, especially when I decided to sell it, and um, yeah, it got me into a lot, of, a lot of different things about business. You know, I had to start a corporation, had to, um, to deal with support, customer support, had to deal with Firefox was a distributed CMS, so that means people download the files and put it on their server, which means I have to deal with all these different server mm. configurations. Everyone has cheap hosting. So all these horrible hosting setups that people don't even realize how bad they are and have to like write all these different like hacks and bugs for all these different people's host types and made me realize that definitely if I do anything in the future, it's not going to be distributed ever again. <laughs> There's just way too many variables for one person or two people to handle. Um, so you're a do it once kind of guy, right? Yeah, and and if you have something that's on, if you have a service that's on your own servers, you have control over the environment. You have control over everything. So you, you update one thing, and it's updated for everybody. You know, it's way way easier to manage um, than distributed software. So yeah, that kind of got me into dealing more with the community and stuff. And then Tweetsdale, which is what I call Twitter, came out and kind of got involved there too. So gotcha. Well, I mean. I think the you, you said that products was kind of 
your angle there and making things and the CMS. That's uh, Fire Rift, right? Yeah. And you said you sold that? No, no, no. I mean, I would sell cut licenses. Oh, okay. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So you got into this this product, but we've had other people on the show before. Um, the guys over Slash 7, I say guys, it just isn't people in general because it's actually a guy and a girl, Thomas Fuchs mm-hmm. and, and uh, Amy Hoy, but they do products. And we've had other folks on this show that obviously develop products. That's kind of what uh, founders kind of mean, right, is building something that yeah. creates products. But um, you've got some really successful projects and products, projects, um, and one that actually kind of came by surprise from what I understand. It's called Pictos. And I think there's about a zillion people I know that, absolutely um just love this this font that you that you come not the font but um the icon set and i guess it's also a font too but yeah tell, tell me about pictos and just products in general like how did this idea of of pictos come about yeah so i had like this um illustrator file icons that i would build on the side so i could reuse them in my designs and um i was looking at you know some more icons that i could use for this specific project and I the only at the time the only good one out there was Helveticons. And it was kind of before this huge rush of like icons. Now nowadays you look at Dribble just everybody's making icons. Um but before all that, I mean this is even before Dribble was around, uh uh I, the only thing I could find was this thing called Helveticons and super nice icons. The guys did a great job. Um but the pricing was just like I was like, wow, this is like super expensive for like two hundred forty icons, like two hundred forty nine bucks. And my entire motivation behind releasing Pictos was to give people a more affordable option. That's the one hundred percent. That was the entire motivation behind it. So I built out the rest of the icon set, and I decided I was you know just like there was no reference. There's no way to know like if I sell for super cheap, are people even going to care? Are they going to think it's crap? You know, if I sell like just under him, am I going to get many purchases? There was no like in between because nobody else was selling icons for any cheaper. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, at least that I know of. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll just do like super cheap. So I was like, okay, I'll do 29 bucks. And so I started selling it at $29 and it's like literally like an overnight success. And I never once expected that. And it's been going amazing ever since I made a couple more sets. Um, and just keeping the price low, keeping it affordable for people. I, my, in my mind, the reason I wanted to do it low is I don't remember. I'm going to totally butcher this, but there's some like st- the story of like the guy at Coca-Cola out there. He decided the reason he wanted to make it super cheap. He made it five cents a bottle and so that everybody out there could afford it. And there's a better way to say that, but a uh, more magical way, but uh, that's the basic gist of it. And so I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. I want these icons to be like so everybody can afford them and have like nice icons to use. And um, and I guess that's what ended up happening. So did you sell that concept of affordable things to Apple in the App Store and stuff like that too? Because <laughs> I mean, that's that's what's going on right now, right? You got two ninety nine price tags on pretty much anything these days. I think the seriously, dude, seriously, that's a whole. I mean, if we end up talking about my app screen, I want to go into like advice for like making products in the App Store because it's buck wild. But making products for the web and like downloadable software and like icons and stuff. I suggest anybody who has the know-how and has something unique and awesome to offer, or even if you don't make something, uh, I suggest you do it. Like, there's no reason not to. I mean, as long as you're giving something good to the community that's useful um, and that's affordable, I mean, there's no reason not to. I suggest everybody do it. And I made my app Quixly. Uh, me and my buddy Will made Quixly, and uh, it's it's what I use to sell Pictos, and it was one of the motivations to choose that piece of software. 
um, was to sell my icons pictos. And because there was no other digital delivery service out there besides eJunkie that I could come across, and then right after we released um, the dudes from, uh, uh, gosh, Big Cartel released uh, Holy App, which is a cool one too. So, um, but yeah, th- that wasn't out when I made. What's the one from Big Cartel? It's called Holy App. Holy App. There's yeah. another one I heard of, and I can't recall what it is, but it was it was pretty nice. I think the. Um, I think Happy Cog uses it to to do their downloads for their books, for the list of part books. I think it might be hmm. what they use. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, this delivery digital delivery service. I mean, this is just people in general creating products. I mean, these digital delivery products is pretty. It just seems kind of logical because you just sit back and just let the, you know, for lack of better terms, the dough roll in because Dude, it's buck wild. That's how right? it is. So it's crazy because people. A lot of designers want to sell shirts. Like, oh, I need to make some residual. Let's let's make shirts. You know, but everybody's making shirts, and they always use American Apparel. And there's nothing different about it except the logo on it, Toltex. which is cool. Yeah, I like Toltex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's alternative apparel, which is way more expensive, way nicer. But there's a bunch of them. But with those, you have to do shipping. You have to deal with the fact that there's this unknown variable, which is the United States Postal Service or UPS. You know that that's in there. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff to deal with. All this overhead, you have to get products, you have to buy it in advance, you have to spend your own money to do this. Um, whereas digital sales is totally different. It's just like you put it up there, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't cost you a dime, you know? So I suggest people do it. So you also have a couple other, other fun things that we talked quickly about quickly. I don't know how much more you want to dive into that, but um, I guess we could probably spend two hours really talking to. We really, really wanted to. We got Quixly, we got Screeny, we've got Pictos, we've got uh, Yogurt, we've got Dialogues. We've got a lot of fun things to talk about. Um, why don't you pick? The, yeah. Why don't you pick the direction? Where should we? Where should we go next? Yeah, um, we were okay. Maybe we'll just go into Screeny since we're kind of talking about um, uh, digital products and the app store. I mean, yeah. what was that about? I mean, that's uh, going back to the beginning, the Renaissance man kind of thing. I mean, phenomenal design. The thing works for one thing. There's some apps you get from the app store that are just kind of clunky because somebody's mm-hmm. just trying to wing it. But um, I, I tested it out. Uh, it was free a couple of days ago. I'm not sure if it's still free now. And you can talk about that here in a second. But it is I, not. It is not. <laughs> it <laughs> you is missed not. it. If you're listening to it, you missed it. Yes. <laughs> I got it for free. Thank you, Drew. But <laughs> that screen is awesome. I love it. I I did a couple tests. I'm doing some things for the SaaS way, which is a whole different topic. But uh, I am so excited to have something so easy to to use. What what even made you do it? I mean, besides the love for digital products, what what gave you the idea? Yeah, like just like Pictos, um, it's something that I needed. Uh, most like quick quickly, something I needed. Fire up is something I needed. Everything I make is something that I needed that I feel is filling a void. Um, and there's, there's, there's two kinds of entrepreneurs out there. There's the kind that are in it for the money, and there's the kind that are in it for the passion. And I'm one of the guys that I think is in it for the passion, obviously, because not everything I do makes any money. Only a couple do. Um, but some people will think of an idea like, okay, what can make money? What's, out, what, what, what's a void I can fill just to make some money and that, that will be successful? And then there's the guys who are like, okay, Frick, I need something that does this better. Let's make this. You know what I mean? They don't consider the money portion. And they just consider improving their workflow and creating something they want for themselves. Um, not necessarily that they just want to make, but something they actually want to use themselves. And that's, that's what I do. I make stuff that I want to use myself. Um, and so that's what screening is. There was no way 
currently there's no, there, until I made a screening, there was no way to just like select a portion of your screen and record it, not take a picture, but like record it. And when I made screening, it was back in the snow leopard days and there was absolutely no way to do that. And QuickTime had the ability to record your full screen, but not until Lion did they have the ability to select an area and record it. Um, so when I, when I released Screeny, it was the only tool out there that would do that. And it was awesome. I mean, I got my buddy Tony Arnold to help me out with some of the, uh, the interface code. And I got my buddy Chris Harris to help me out with the screen capturing code. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool to, tool. I, I loved making it. I'm glad it came out you know, the way I wanted it to. I w- always want to just be a simple tool. That's what it is. And I mean, it works really great. When Lion came out, um, they added in the same thing, but they never really told people that they added the ability to select an area and record it. And it's kind of hidden. So, I mean, <laughs> it didn't really affect me that much. Um, and I'm not really worried about it because Lion added a bunch of cool new stuff to the core, but they also massively and massively, massively limited their APIs in a lot of different ways. And one of them, one of the things that was affected was screen recording. So for instance, you cannot save in line, you cannot save a video that is not a multiple of 16 as far as its width goes. You, you can't save it down, the APIs won't let you. So in screening for a line, if you try to stretch it to a certain width, you might notice that like, it will scoot out a little bit from what you chose because it has to do that. Uh, whereas in Snow Leopard, it didn't have to do that. Um, Lion also does not give you a way to know exactly when it, uh, the recording starts and when it stops. So there's just things that I had to tweak to try to get it as best as it possibly could. But even QuickTime suffers from these exact same things I'm talking about here. Um, you'll notice if you do tons of heavy testing, QuickTime suffers from the exact same things. And QuickTime doesn't have quite as high as frame rate as screening. But um, yeah. Anyway, so about selling it. Um, <laughs> That's, how yeah. just, I mean, how did you surprise? You just did a little freebie a couple of days ago, and like we just said, if you're listening to this, you missed it. But uh, what are you doing now with it? I mean, you've got it out there. It didn't cost you, or did it cost you any money to to launch this? I mean, you said you had some friends help you out, so yeah, yeah, no, I paid those people, so it was just like straight up client work for them. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, I took a chance. You know, I, I didn't think very many people are going to want a video recording tool, but when as soon as I launched it, it got to number ten on the top. T- um, paid apps, right? So it was, it was never been a free app. I only did that for two days, but it was number 10 in the top paid apps right away. Um, and then since then, it's just, it's just held steady. Uh, it's never been number 10 uh, again, but I decided, hey, let's just make this thing free, um, just see what happens. And it was number one both days that it was free in the uh, top free apps on the App Store, which was cool. I, I never expected that from a video recording tool, but um, I was stoked about that. It pisses off a lot of people, not the people who paid before, but the people who are free because Apple's, Apple's iTunes Connect system, which is how you put something in the App Store, is so old and like dinosaurs created this thing and like it's just horrible. It's one of the worst pieces of software I've ever used, which is weird coming from Apple because when you update stuff, it does not go on in the App Store for like four hours, right? So if I write a new piece of text, it takes forever to get on there. Um, you cannot see any like sales or any like downloads till the day later. Uh, and then when you, um, when you say like, okay, I want this thing to be free today and tomorrow, they respect time zones. So someone in Australia comes on the blog, they see a blog post, oh, it's free today, but to them it's tomorrow. And so Apple has like axed it already. Oh and man. Then, and even like they're in the Pacific time zone and I go on at 9 PM, it's already not free anymore, even though I set it to be, you know, to end today. So it should, it says on their website, that it'll end at midnight. 
but it doesn't. And there's not, there's no control I have over it. There's absolutely no control I have over like how the apps install. There's so many things you don't have control over. And that's what people always just like, the only one stars I have in there from those very reasons, things that I don't have control over, but they just don't understand. People just don't understand the app store is really actually a horrible piece of software, but they just don't realize that. <laughs> it's crazy and, how much they've made off this thing. And it's, it's what you say. It's a horrible piece of software. Yeah, it's it's not good <laughs> at all. I mean, I know tons of people that could build a thing way better, but um, anyhow, like the difference between like web customers and like the app store customers is the app store customers have this massive sense of entitlement, like this massive sense of entitlement. Whereas, like if you if you're selling a web app, people are very like respectful and they don't expect things like instantly. Uh, it's totally different on the app store, even for free. Like the people were getting super pissed that, you know, they missed the free day and they would, they send me hate mail. I'm like, what the balls? Like, <laughs> I just did you a favor and I'm sorry you missed it. Yeah, I know. No, it's, it's crazy, dude. But like they get very, very upset. And like the, the whole rating thing, I think is just messed up because if somebody likes something, they're not going to go in and rate it. They're not going to take the time. It's like, Oh wow, this is awesome. They might blog about it or something, but they're not going to go in the app store and rate it. Uh, but the number of people that are willing to go in and say, I hate this thing, are just much, much larger. So, What do you think the entitlement comes from? I don't know. I think it's because it's super cheap. Like the iPhone. Uh, the Maybe whole, it's just open to a, a much wider audience. I mean, it's funny yeah, to say the, that the, the web apps are – it's a little bit more narrow even though it's the World Wide yeah. Web. Yeah. See, I think if you make games or something for the iPhone, it's probably even worse for people than it was for me because I'm making something that's like somewhat technical, right? Web apps are technical, so you have a different crowd and you have a more um, understanding crowd that you're selling stuff to. I mean, if you're selling if you're selling like a web app that's for like the average consumer, which there aren't really many of those, um, yeah, you'll run into difficulties. But I'm fortunate that all my stuff is sold to like other designers and developers, so I have very like understanding people that I sell to. Um, but on the app store, it's totally different. It's not that way at all. They have a system in time. I think also because of the prices, like, I mean, they'll get upset, like $14.99. Why would you ever charge us? But it's like, do you understand how long it takes to make this? It takes just as long to make a web app. And if you made it into a web app, you could charge like three times, you know, and people would be fine with it. <laughs> but it's crazy, man. Anyhow. So what have you, so what have you learned? I mean, what have you learned from this process of, you know, Hiring, hiring friends and you being the client in this case and building out this product and then launching it and then seeing it go to 10 and then giving it out for free. What what's, are some of the things you've learned from not only the, the things you've just talked about, the downfalls of the app store, but about the process and just the, the general direction of this app? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, just to be clear, they weren't like my buddies beforehand or anything. I mean, we've they became friends. Other, yeah, through, through this. But um, yeah, I... It's, it's hard to know when to spend your money versus when to do it yourself. And uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess it will be different in every situation. For me, I really wanted this tool. Um, and so I was like, you know, even if I, even if I can't sell this thing very well, I'm, I want to you know, I I made. So I didn't even actually spend the time to figure out, like, you know, how long until I make my money back kind of thing and, like, work this out on paper. Normally I do do that, but with this one I, I didn't. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean – it's hard to know when to spend your own money on something, but there's really no set in stone answer. I mean, it's just like, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> I mean, I never, I never put things on credit cards. I don't like buy an office space on credit card. I don't need an office space. You know, um, there's a lot of things about running a business that 
is super old school. Like, you know, in the old West, you know, you had to have, you know, a store, you know what I mean? Like a general store to sell stuff. Uh, this is not the old West. You don't need an office space to do stuff. I mean, if you have multiple people working on your team, again, you don't need an office space. You can work remotely. Some people are like, Oh, but I like, you know, working right next to somebody. Well, yeah, I mean, that's great. Of course you do, but you can still do that remotely. Um, you can fly people in for certain times and, you know, obviously save yourself thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Keeping costs low, that's one of the great things about selling stuff digitally. And the Apple Store does enable that. If you don't have a name like for yourself on the internet, the App Store is a great way to sell stuff. You know, because if you, like when I launched Pictos, nobody really knew. I mean, there were people that knew about me, but I mean, and even still, I'm not like this huge person on the web. So for me to sell stuff, it's it's still hard. You know, it's like, okay, I put, I put something out there, hopefully a bunch of people buy it. Um, and there's no like, you just got to make something good. Uh, don't worry about it. Everybody wants it. If there's other humans like you on the planet Earth, there will be some other people that will want what you make. So I wouldn't worry about that. I would just make something great, put it out there, and see what happens. I mean, So you, you went on the subject of choosing when to spend your own money. Um, are you able to, to talk about how much, the maybe even at some level, what screening costs you to start up? Yeah, I mean uh, – Screeny, I built as much as I could. I built out the whole interface. I pulled it into Xcode and built out as much as I could in Xcode, all the different views, and I had to make custom views. So I got a lot of like Objective-C learning there. And then there was, I was at a point where, I, all right, this is just either going to take me forever, which I don't have time because I have other things I'm doing, or I need to just pull somebody in. So I hit up this dude, Tony Arnold, who made Hyperspaces, and uh, talked to him about it. And he was able to do it along with Chris, was able to do the stuff that he couldn't do, which was um, uh, the GL code. And it was all new to me. I mean, I didn't know MacDev. I didn't know anything. But, um, you know, I I wouldn't spend more than you are able to, right? So if you have extra cash laying around that you feel you could spend on something and by next month, you know, you might be okay, I would suggest doing that. I mean, for me, I suggest people, like, get out of debt and you know, don't buy a freaking SUV if you don't, if you can't pay for most of it in cash. You know what I mean? Like I'm like somewhat financially responsible. So, so prior to putting your app on the app store, buy Dave Ramsey's CD, do all, <laughs> do all the learning, get out of debt and then build a Mac I've never, app. I've never actually, I've never actually listened to it, but um, no, I mean, for reals though, like there's something about being an entrepreneur that makes people think that they can just, you know, just blow it all on what it, on their latest thought and latest yeah, idea. That, that, that boggles my mind. And that's, that's what I want you to, to kind of quench here because I think there's people out there that are thinking maybe after you said that, well, Drew did it. I can, I could probably do it. Yeah. And, no, I would, I wouldn't go out and spend like 12 grand on an app. If you don't have 12 grand to spend right now on an app, you know what I mean? Like if you, I would do as much as you possibly can, and eventually you'll get to the point if things are successful where your limit will raise and your limit will raise and your limit will raise and you'll be able to build better and better stuff without having to be as involved. But, I mean, you got to – there's a lot of stuff you got to do before that. I mean, had I not been in the position I am now, I probably wouldn't have made screening because I wouldn't have had the you know, cash to do it or something. So, I mean, screening cost me a, a handful of thousand dollars to do it, but on top of my own time um, – but I mean, for me, it was worth it for sure. So we're so, talking about maybe ten grand, ten grand or less. No, like for me, it was like five, five, six, seven, something like that. And how? What? And just if you can only do a percentage, what's what's that gone from from ROI? Um, actually, let me think here. 
I've, Screeny's been out, I don't know, for like three months now, and I think I've gotten twice that back. But, I mean, if your app's not successful, it, might, it may not do that. You know, so that's why it's important to know, like, what you're spending your money on. And, right. and I was spending it on a video like recording tool and I didn't think it would be super popular like a game or something but I mean it's not super popular but um, you know it, it was a, it was able to do well because I made something that I wanted you know what I mean I wasn't trying to like okay so the user the use case for this you know what I mean because some people have like they want all these test subjects to like use it because they're not the use case themselves you know because they're making apps for, pe- for, for something they wouldn't actually use themselves right right making a bunch I mean, of assumptions yeah I mean that's great if you get to the point where you have like a ton of money to do that but and you have like you know a larger company with actual employees, but if you're making stuff on your own, don't make stuff that you don't want to use. I mean, there's really no reason to make it. I mean, because if it doesn't do well, it's just sitting there and you don't even care about it. So <laughs> it's best to make stuff that you want. You know what I mean? Definitely, I I 100% feel you. I I think that one of the things that drives me, and one of the things that even drives me to produce this podcast, where we're producing right now, um, it is the passion. I mean, I. I love talking to people like you. I love learning more about your story. And more importantly, I love um, you know, the people listening to this right now because they get to they get to hear a piece of your story that I'm not saying that would never work, never otherwise be told, but in a different way. Like this is a conversation. I don't have the the notes I took down was just some quick notes. I, I don't have a bullet point list of things I want to go through before we got on the call. I asked you a couple of things you wanted to make sure we talked about. But, I mean, this is essentially, you know, a guy-to-guy conversation about, you know, our passion. And that passion is producing yeah. something that helps this world become better in whatever way we see fit. Yeah. And I, I want to clarify, too, like, the road for me, getting to where I am right now, has definitely not been easy. Like, in 2009 was my worst year because I decided to drop everything, not do any client work. And I was going to work solely on Fire Rift and, and on Quixly, which came a little later. Um, and, I mean... I was selling off furniture. I had zero dollars in my business bank account, zero dollars in my personal bank account. I had a wife who is not an entrepreneur. So for her, it was very hard. Um, I know that feeling. And at that time, for some reason, I could not get any client work either to like offset it. So it was uh, it was definitely not easy. I mean, I've been to the absolute low multiple times. Like when I was single and when I was married. Luckily, we hadn't had our child yet. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. So 2009, you said, right? Did I hear you right? 2009? 2000, early 2009. That's like when, barely two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you're not at rock bottom now? No, no. I'm, well, what's changed? No, absolute opposite. Um, Pictos changed. <laughs> okay, let's talk about – I mean, I know we talked about Pictos, but let's talk specifically about how that was a surprise and how Pictos has changed uh, your life. Yeah, I mean – they say money isn't everything. I totally agree with that, but money is something. Um, and it can enable you to do a lot of cool things. There's a lot of things you can do without money, but, um, there's a lot of things you can do with it. And one of those things is being able to like what I am right now. I, I don't take on client work. I, I'm able to sustain myself through the products that I have out right now. And which enables me to work on whatever I want all day long. Um, which sounds like the ideal. And for me, it is the ideal. So I'm super blessed and fortunate to be right here. And I know for sure that it doesn't last forever, right? So that's why I'm always working on something new. Um, because it's also, I mean, it's also my hobby. So uh, it's, Pictos was great because it enabled that. It took me out of like a super low and brought me to like a super high. 
Um, never once expected it to happen. Um, I never thought by selling something for 29 bucks, like you can make a lot of money. I was like, who the heck buys icons? I, I think there's like what, 3000 designers out there who might buy it, <laughs> which, which, you know, well, you've done all the hard work, Drew. I mean, you've done all the hard work. All I got to do is spend a little bit of cash or get my employer to take care of it. And boom. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the, the common thing you hear from anybody. And yeah. I just want to, you know, if you're listening to this and you bought Drew's Pictos, I appreciate that because you just made his life and story it. much better. <laughs> I mean, that's that's awesome. But I didn't even, I didn't even, that's, you know, that's um that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it tons. I mean, Pictos was my only source of income after it launched. Um because I wasn't, I, I haven't been working for anybody. I've always been full time freelance. Um, when I when I first went, like in 2003, I also got you know a couple odd jobs here and there to help because I wasn't making any money. Um, but Pictos, once it started doing well, it's kind of like this: like, now is this going to last longer than this month? Should I turn down these client jobs? Like, it's just super, like you know, like what do I do? It's like weird that I have this money in my bank account. Uh, you know, it's like. I guess I should save it. Um, am I going to get my arm chopped off and need a bunch of money? <laughs> it's like right. it's super weird, and and eventually you just realize, okay, this is what it's like to have a successful product and something that actually makes money. It's, I mean, it's not really something that is easy to get used to. Well, I was just at the Big D conference, which is uh, that's the short name for, it, but it's Big Design in Dallas, and. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people were on the stage that talked about Pictos. I think that like in the design sphere. No Pictos is like the default. I mean, not that I, I don't want everybody out there to be using it because they'll. I'm using it too uh, for a couple yeah. uh, projects I'm working on, but and obviously you don't want to be the same as everybody else. But it's it's really wild how how it took you from from the place you were. But at the same time, it was such a you know it, it was a blessing for you, but it was also a blessing for a lot of other people to make it easy for them to use something very. You know, very yeah. thorough. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. especially if you buy the full suite of it. That's. I mean, you got how many icons are in that? Total, uh, it's like six hundred something. Yeah, I mean, that's that's intense. That's huge. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of icons. I'm working on Pictos four, but yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. I mean, like some of the people brought that up, like, oh, I don't want to buy it because, and this was back in the early days of Pictos. I don't want to buy it because if everyone buys, it, then it's not new. But I mean, if you look at like Dribble or, or other places where you see a lot of designs. Uh, even though a lot of people do own Pictos, you don't see it everywhere. So right. it's not like the hugest of huge deals. But, I mean, it's wild, man. Like, the new site design I have for Pictos, I leaked it on uh, Dribble when I get time. I'll launch it. But, I mean, like, Warner Brothers is using it in a TV show directed by Brian Singer, the guy who did X-Men and Spider-Man. Um, ING, they're using it for the redesign. Uh, MySpace uses it. Skype uses it. Dad Jones, Hillsong, Dropbox, Media Temple. Airbnb, JD Power Associates, Posters, Panelfly, Discuss, Sencha, TNM Lax. Like, there's a ton of people that use Airbnb, it. ING, MySpace, Skype, Discuss. Yeah. It, it's cool. <laughs> That's it's, awesome. It's, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's gone, like, somewhat mainstream. It's weird. Because, like, people like JD Power Associates, like... I don't consider them like yeah, that's pretty that's mainstream. Like community. Yeah, that's pretty so, mainstream. It's cool. What was uh, has it been covered on CNN yet? That's the ultimate test. Yes, it has. Um, it, Pictos itself hasn't, but the, the one of the co-founders of Facebook uh, came out with a social network built around charities, and I can't remember the name of it right now. Causes. But, uh, no, but he got covered on CNN. There was a CNN page on it. And the CNN article featured a bunch of screenshots, which were all Pictos, because he uses them in like a massive scale way. There's like huge icons on the front page. 
Um, so yeah, Pictos was on CNN. All right, I don't want I don't want the the audience. Even though it's a fantastic story, I don't want to bleed anybody's ears on the on Pictos. Let's yeah, let's move yeah. on to something <laughs> sure. cool like dialogues. I think this is a, a fun little topic, and I actually have no idea what this is. So please tell me what what it means to curate these private groups and discussions and make it easy and social. What is this dialogue yeah. thing? So so dialogues kind of came out of the fact that um, it's very difficult to have a discussion on Twitter if you start adding people into a discussion you're having. Um, you start having to add more at handles. And so there's only a, a limited number of characters and you can type to say anything. Um, so it becomes very difficult to have discussions. Not only that, there's no way to go back and view a discussion. Some of the Twitter clients have like a conversation view, which help. Um, but still this idea of a stream that is never ending and they only hold seven days, like you have to scroll down super far to remember what you're talking about here or there. And once it goes off of their seven day history, it's gone and you can never bring that, bring back that discussion. Um, Facebook does a little better job because when you make a post about something, there's an actual comment thread right there. But again, once, once uh, too much time expires and history has gone by, you can never get back to that post. Um, so dialogues is, is a new network. It's, it's not, it's not targeted at taking over Twitter. It's not targeted at taking over Facebook. I consider those two separate social circles, Twitter and Foursquare, those status update things are like status update social circle. And then there's another social circle out there, which is like Facebook, what MySpace used to be, LinkedIn, where it's people connecting with people and other people being able to view that. And Twitter allows you to view status updates from other people. So it's two separate things. I see dialogues as a new circle, a new social circle in the middle uh, between those two. And you'll be able to do – it'll take discussions and make them real-time and just like chat and it will make them – permanent on the web uh, and social. So, for instance, you could on Twitter say, hey, let's move this discussion over to dialogues and you can create a little dialogue that's a public dialogue, meaning anybody can post into it and it'll have its own page, kind of like a Tumblr page, you can think of it. Um, and you can sit there in a chat style and just like talk back and forth and each, each post item gets posted up there. You can have an unlimited number of characters. You can attach photos and video to it. Um, and so you can really discuss things back and forth with people you can also make a dialogue, which is a discussion. You can make a dialogue be, instead of just public, so anyone can post into it, you can make it invite-only. So you can then make a dialogue. Like, for instance, instead of have, on Twitter, I have my Drew Wilson account, and I have to make a new account for screening. Well, on dialogues, I can have my Drew Wilson account, and I can make a dialogue for screening. And with dialogues, you can give them, you can give a dialogue its own avatar, and people can follow specific dialogues without having to follow the author. Um, and so I could, people could follow my screeny dialogue, and then there I make an invite only, and only I'm allowed to post into it. So I do screeny updates there. So it can be used in that sense. Invite only, you could also create like a people of Walmart type page where um, you could invite multiple authors, but you know only a certain number of authors, and they're the only ones who are allowed to like post funny photos or something. Um, so you have this permanent page people can visit, and you can re- replicate a Tumble blog, essentially. But what's great about dialogue is not only does it just do discussion and chat, but it also makes this new style of blogging, which is going to be col- collaborative blogging, where you can invite certain people to blog about a certain subject, whereas with Tumblr, um, you have one account, then you have to sign up for a new account for this new idea you have, and then you have to you know, give the person your password or whatever. Whereas with, with dialogues, you each already have your own dialogue username, and then I create a dialogue called Beautiful Walmart, and I add you to it. You know what I mean? It's that easy. And you log in with your normal username, and now you have access to this dialogue. So it's much more natural 
and it will improve this idea of collaborative blogging. Um, there's also private dialogues where you can make a pro uh, dialogue private, so like for internal team communication or whatever, and nobody publicly can see this dialogue, only the members invited. And it's not publicly available anywhere. So it's like fully private, and if you have a private dialogue, you're also able to attach any um, file type, so you can attach Word documents or whatever to trade those things back and forth. I'm not allowing people to do that on public dialogues because of the fact that people just start spamming people with stuff, so... So the first question I have out of my mind is thinking, okay, so we're going back to the Renaissance Man kind of thing. Did you do this all on your own, or is this a collaborative effort? This one is all on my own. Um, I hired a guy who I've worked with on projects in the past, my buddy Amir, um, super talented developer, uh, to work on this. So he is paid to build out a lot of the, well, all the node backend that this thing's built on. And we've had, I've flown him in, a couple times and we've had like long meetings a couple days long where we'll hash out like architect the whole back end and figure out everything and then I work alongside with him I'm doing all the designs myself everything and then um, I'll be doing all the front end code and stuff myself using Titan we'll integrate that into the server side and, um, so yeah so other than having a mirror do you know really the heavy lifting of everything it's all me <sighs> All right. I'm I'm just now super envious. I can't take it. <laughs> and then you mentioned Titan too, which is open source. That makes me even happier because you're using open source to, to fuel your business. I love I love seeing open source being used like that. I mean, you open sourced it, so it's not like you're using somebody else's, but it's cool that you gave it out too. Yeah. Yeah, Titan's open source. I did that with my buddy Michael Suna way back in two thousand eight. Um and then my buddy Will helped out a little bit with it. And then when Will and I built Quixly, um, we decided, all right, let's like make a little framework for us, PHP framework that you know works with the way we work. And so we built something. I uh, I used that on build it with me, another project, and we used it on a couple other things. And like, all right, let's like formalize this thing. So um, we formalized it, and uh, it's called Thor. So I released that. So Will and I did that together. And then um, I also have a Node API that I worked on with Amir that I released open source called Nixus. Yeah, I noticed you got Thor there, and the, the Ruby community also has this notion of Thor as well. It's kind of wild how those names collide, and then they also start to combat for Google's name. Is it Thor thing in Ruby? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you see, I'm not, I'm not a Ruby guy, so I didn't know. Written, <laughs> written by Yehuda Katz. It's actually, yeah. I think it's, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's very well baked into Rails 3.1, but yeah, there's a thing called Thor for, for uh, the Ruby world. It's kind of fun, actually. It's, it's quite cool. Sweet. It's kind of like Rake, if you know Rake. That's all. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's similar to, to Rake and Saki. Oh, okay, so it's not quite the same. No, not, no, not quite the same at all. But it just shares the same name. It's just wild that y'all yeah. pick the same, the same names to do it. But Titan, yeah, Thor, I, I like, Nexus. If you've seen if you've seen my original Fire commercial I did in two thousand seven, um, I like like epic comic y type things. So yeah, that's awesome. I did I did a video commercial for Fire with my CMS and that got some attention, mostly hate mail attention because. What, why do they need a video? <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? I'm just doing it for fun, people. Chill out. But this dialogue is awesome. I can totally see how this fits in the middle because I have, like you had said, you know, the pain of having conversations on Twitter. And, mm -hmm. you know, at some point, about four or five responses from either side, we pr pretty much just both give up on not so much the conversation, on the effort. Um, and the fatigue of trying to incorporate other people and talk in broken yeah. sentences and trying to keep yeah. up. And the next thing you know, it, I mean, Twitter's 
phenomenal for just kickstarting conversations with people. Like I have yeah. just a number of, of searches that I just kind of trudge through to keep a, a beat on a community. I, I pretty much just um, keep a beat on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, tw- Twitter's great, and Dialogues isn't at all attempt to replace it in any way. As a matter of fact, I want people to build Dialogues into their Twitter clients so that way you can essentially click a button to take, move this discussion to Dialogues, essentially. And that's one of the things about Dialogues is I, I already have a set number of um, developers. If you're interested, email me. Uh, you can get in on the list. But I have a set number of developers who are working on apps already for Dialogues. So I have the API all out for them. I have an alpha server they can test against out for them. And they're building apps like a customer support app, a chat app, all these different ideas using the Dialogs data store and API. So basically my pitch is like whatever you want to build, just use Dialogs to build it and it'll only enrich the data uh, and you know make it better for everybody. So when I launch Dialogs shortly after, there'll be about there'll be a handful of um, clients ready to go in all different areas. Like one's an issue tracker, one's a support app, like as much as been stuff coming out. So. That's awesome. And I guess to, to sign up, you'd go to Dialogues, D-I-A-L-O-G. You would actually email me. <laughs> oh. But it, yeah, when you, to get on that list. But yeah, when we actually sign, when Dialogues is launched, they'll launch in the middle of October. Yeah, you'll go to Dialogue.gs. Dialogue.gs. I love these .gs extensions. You got, I mean, 960 from Nathan Smith. Another open yeah. source project that's kind of cool to use the .gs extension. That's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, but I, I think the the last thing I want to kind of break off with uh, with you, Drew. I mean, I'm kind of curious, considering your history and your past and all the things you've been through, and uh, living in California, having connections. I'm assuming it seems like you've got you're pretty well connected. Who who out there besides yourself, obviously, because you're pretty you're pretty good, but. Who out there is your hero? Who, who would you want to work with on projects? Yeah. Um, like, who do you really look up to? Yeah, yeah, just to touch on what you're saying about connections, like, just so people know, just to be encouraged, like, I had zero connections when I moved down here. I didn't know the soul. The guy I moved down here with, I met him twice before. He was a friend of a friend. Um, I, have, I don't have a rich family by any means at all. <laughs> uh, I don't have any family members that know anybody with money. So just to encourage other people like me, like everything I've done has, you know, just been a blessing. It's come about, you know, just naturally, I guess I I don't have like any super connections. I mean, now that I've got my name out there more, I'm meeting more and more people. Yes. But I mean, none of this was easy. None of this was as a result of like knowing somebody. So I just to encourage everyone listening, if you're in my shoes, like, um, there are ways to make stuff happen um, if you just stick at it. But to answer your other question about who I'd want to work with, um, man, dude, like there are like are you are you some, seeking out a job at GitHub, for example? Like they've got every phenomenal designer there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. I actually, I don't know. I, I kind of see like the stuff I'm doing as my job, and I'm not really for hire, but um, I. Yeah, there's there's a lot of talented people that I would like to work with. Um, mostly developers that you know I want to have like on my side and like doing stuff with me. For instance, um, Simon, his Twitter handle is Simurai. He does a lot of rad CSS3 stuff experiments. Um, he he took the Pictos font and made some buttons out of it a long time ago, which got super popular. He won this Pictos contest I had. He won my old iMac. Um, he's super talented, like CSS3 dude. 
and doing crazy stuff there. I would love to have him work with me. Um, there's a couple of developers I worked with in the past that I would love to work with. Um, on, you know, more of like a, if I could ever afford to pay people full time, uh, I would love to pay them just to do stuff <laughs> for me. Um, but yeah, it's a- anything that's a- upcoming. I mean, I know that, you know, I, we're at the hour mark right now. So if you're still listening to this, I really appreciate it. But, um, you know, we probably can't go too much longer than like the next maybe 50 seconds, but, um, I'm not saying we have to shut up and be quiet, but what I'm saying is that to the audience really is that we really had, uh, Drew is super talented. I, you know, I'd suggest you just go to his website, drewwilson.com right now. Um, you don't have your Drew Wilson network link there anymore. You've got it on other sites. Like if you go to pictos.drewwilson.com, you could see it there, but Drew's done a ton of stuff and I really wish we would have had the time to even go into things like yogurt, which is that, uh, that ad network you did. And I think buy, mm-hmm. ads bought that. I mean, yeah. really, I just sometimes wish I could do two parts to episodes or, or just keep going and people just keep listening. Like, uh, like Dan used to, <laughs> Dan is known for his hour long episodes, but <laughs> unfortunately I think people's attention might, uh, might drop off or they just get upset cause they're like, man, I'm at work and I got to shut it off. Cause most people yeah. listen to this podcast on, on their way there. But, um, anything else you want to, you want to say in closing, in closing, Drew? Uh, part two sounds good to me. Part two sounds good. Um, no, I, I just want to like encourage everybody out there. If you're, if you have time, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in like family comes first, um, priorities like that come first. But if you have time to work on stuff rather than like playing video games or something, um, I guess that, that's the difference between an entrepreneur and somebody who just enjoys working for a living. But if you have time to work on side projects, work on side projects and do things that, you know, you want, do things that, you know, excite you, um, and just do them. Like, don't worry about like how much money you're going to make. Don't spend a ton of money. If it's your first time doing something, don't spend any money. Um, but yeah, just, just make stuff and you'll find that, you know, if you really want something, there are going to be other people out there like you who will really want the same thing and you'll be able to sell or give it to those people, whether depending on if you sell it or not. But um, there's no reason to sell things right off the bat. You can always give stuff away for free and build your name that way, however you want to do it. But I suggest people just build things. Totally true. Speaking of which, I haven't asked you this on on air, but uh, you ever consider giving out a small set of Pictos for free? There is a free Pictos icon set. Oh, um, there is. I missed that then. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was on my. I forgot to put it on my new store. Dang it! I gotta do that. Uh, <laughs> it was on my old stock art website. But when I first launched Pictos, I didn't know anybody. Didn't have any connections. So the guys from uh, Woo Themes. So they would put it up on their site as an exclusive thing. So if you go to Woo Themes, you can find it on their website, the Pictos Pack, and they have like rights to exclusively offer it for free um, in exchange for it. They gave me a bunch of press about Pictos, which helped out a lot. So that's where it's at. You have to download it from them. Cool. Well, Drew, hey, I, I, I'm really glad to have had this conversation with you. I think knowing more about your yeah, story, I can have a, a whole different take on who Drew Wilson is because before I came into this call, even though we chatted the other day, I had a different, not so much opinion of you, but I had a different perspective of what I thought you were or you weren't. And I, nah, <laughs> no, not that at all. But that, that's what I love about this, this call, uh, this, this, this podcast, because I get a chance not only to have these conversations, but the people that are like, you know, like it or not, people are eyeballing you, man, because you're good. And they think they've got a different perspective of you. And this kind of podcast, I think it just kind of pulls that veil back and lets people know that there's a real human being in there. You know, it's not just yeah. this 
this uh, this fictitious person. It's somebody real. It's somebody with a family. Somebody has had pitfalls. Somebody has had a lot of successes, and they want to share it. And that's what I so much love about this podcast. And that's why I'm glad season three is back. And I'm glad that you helped me kick it off. Yeah, dude, no, stoked. Yeah, definitely just a regular human who happens to have had one or two things succeed. And who knows if I'll have things succeed in the future, hopefully. But yeah. Well, do keep in touch. Anytime you have anything uh, going on, let me know. I, I always love to somehow share past guest successes and future successes. So keep in touch and keep on trucking, man. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.